Man, let us turn to the Psalms. We are in Psalm 29 this morning. Psalm 29, verses 1 through 11. The word of the Lord says, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry, Glory! The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we come this morning not to hear the voice of any man, We come not to hear the voice of society or the voice of culture. We come this morning not even to hear the voice of anyone who is here in this sanctuary, but we come primarily to hear the voice of the Lord. Would you speak to us this morning and give to us ears to hear your voice. Would you give me the words to herald your voice and what your word says to us this morning. I may do so in a way that is consistent and in harmony with what your word says to us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The psalm begins with a kind of call to worship. It says, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, a call to the heavenly hosts to worship the Lord, to come before the presence of God and to give Him honor and glory and praise. Three times it says, ascribe to the Lord. To ascribe, to attribute something to a person or to even an object, is to recognize something that is true about something and to say it as such. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. The angels behold the glory and they ascribe to the Lord, attribute to the Lord glory. They see his strength, attributing to the Lord strength. They see his majesty and they say, ascribe majesty. Ascribe power. Ascribe omnipotence. Ascribe to the Lord 
His holiness. And as the psalm calls the heavenly hosts to worship, and then focuses or narrows in on the voice of the Lord, seven times we see in the passage the voice of the Lord. And each time the voice of the Lord is described by something. And the kind of picture that the voice of the Lord and the way that it's described sort of conjures up in the imagination is sort of a kind of a thunderstorm or a hurricane. And when we consider, when we see a thunderstorm at a distance, when we see the dark clouds above, when we see the flashes of lightning strike, when we hear the thunder from miles away, to see or behold a thunderstorm or a hurricane has a way, it, 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 it commands attention. We see it from our windows. Even if it's for a short period of time, it captures our attention. We want to see it. We want to see the flashes of lightning. We want to hear the thunder. But the reason why we can be captivated by a thunderstorm is because we're doing so at a distance, in the comfort of our own home, perhaps. The lightning is not near us oftentimes. But if we were to get moved closer and closer and closer to where the thunder and the lightning is striking, when we, if we are moving closer to the source of the thunderstorm, then we would might be terrified. Then we might be fearful. It is a form of worship when we consider the thunderstorm from a distance, when we recognize its immensity, its power, its incomprehensibility, its incontrollable nature when we consider that this is something far beyond us, something too strong for us. And it leaves you with this kind of fear, at least with a kind of respect. You have a respect for this because you know that it is much stronger than you. And you might hide from it. And you might run from it. And you might shelter yourself from it. Because to be too close to it is to also put you in a position of danger. This is one point in the sermon this morning, and that is the hurricane of God's voice. And I think that's the kind of picture that this is described to us as we consider several different aspects of the voice of the Lord. It tells us the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. Immediately we see that the voice of the Lord controls that which is chaotic. The waters, the oceans, that which is uncontrollable, that which man has not been able to harness. The waters that are able to swallow up cities in combination with the right winds in combinations with the right gravitational pull from the moon, the oceans can generate tsunamis, swallowing up ships, decimating cities, 
And it tells us that the hurricane of the voice of the Lord is over the waters, controlling that which is uncontrollable. And it harkens us back to Genesis chapter 1, where it tells us in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And it tells us their description of what things were like. There was void, there was darkness, and it tells us the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. As we continue to see throughout the Scriptures that the same hurricane of the voice of God not only controlled the uncontrollable and created things, but also used those same waters to elevate them and create a massive flood engulfing the entire world. The same hurricane of the voice of God also split the seas. So God's people, after coming away from Egypt, can walk on dry land surrounded by two walls of water. Job 9, verse 8, tells us that God alone stretched out the heavens and trampled the waves of the sea. We might say, or soldiered on the waves of the sea. The hurricane, the voice of God, creates everything out of nothing, showing the great power of the voice of the Lord. One thunderstorm can generate 1.3 billion volts, Enough to power the needs of New York City for 26 minutes. The winds, just the winds alone of an average hurricane, can easily pack some 1.5 trillion watts of power, which is equivalent to about half the world's entire electrical generating capacity for an entire year. Your average hurricane releases enough energy to power the world 200 times over. And the word, and certainly... David did not have all these facts and all these details. But he understood the immense power of a thunderstorm. And that's how what he uses to describe the voice of the Lord. What else can compare to that kind of power in all the planet? And he says, this is what the voice of the Lord is like. He's not saying that it equals in power, but he's saying no. It surpasses even the power of a thunderstorm. This voice has the power to create everything out of nothing. That this voice of the Lord is full of majesty. We are ascribing a kind of majesty when we are gazing at a distance, a thunderstorm. Just our attention captured by it. We can't help but look at it. We're drawn to thunderstorms, but not too closely. Right? We want to keep our distance because we don't want to be afraid. A thunderstorm has this kind of mesmerizing effect, and that is how the voice of the Lord is described. And it continues, the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. It breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord breaks the strong and rips up the deep-seated. Break is such a violent word, right? You can't break something in a peaceful way. The cedars, the strong trees of Lebanon, the Lord breaks them and snaps them like twigs. Lebanon and Syria, which are situated on mountains, it tells us the hurricane of the voice of the Lord it causes even the mountains to skip, just like if we were to stand too close. 
to a hurricane, or if lightning happens to strike close to us, generating a powerful thunder, right? we, we skip, we get scared. So is the voice of the Lord so powerful that it even causes that which is immovable to skip in fear. The voice of the Lord tells us flashes forth flames of fire. Or in other words, the voice of the Lord strikes like lightning. The lightning strikes during a thunderstorm, right? And it appears to go at random, strikes at random. But the Lord knows exactly where each lightning bolt strikes. He sets its trajectory. And so similarly with the voice of the Lord, the Lord sends it out. It shoots forth from the heavens. And it always hits its target. Job 37 describes a kind of fear, the kind of majesty that a thunderstorm commands and comparing it to God himself and his voice. Job 37, beginning in verse 1. At this also my heart trembles and leaps out of its place. Keep listening to the thunder of his voice and the rumbling that comes from his mouth. Under the whole heaven he lets it go and heads lightning to the corners of the earth. After it, his voice roars. He thunders with his majestic voice, and he does not restrain the lightnings when his voice is heard. God thunders wondrously with his voice. He does great things that we cannot comprehend. For to the snow, he says, fall on the earth. Likewise, to the downpour, his mighty downpour. He seals up the hand of every man that all men whom he made may know it. Then the beasts go into their lairs and remain in their dens. They're afraid. From its chamber comes the whirlwind and cold from the scattering winds. But the breath of God, by the breath of God, ice is given and the broad waters are frozen fast. He loads the thick cloud with moisture. The clouds scatter his lightning. They turn around and around by his guidance to accomplish all that he commands on the face of the habitable world whether for correction or for his land or for love, he causes it to happen. A typical lightning flash is about 300 million volts and 30,000 amps. A lightning, because air is a poor conductor, heats up the air that lightning, that lightning passes through the air, and in that air, that air can be actually, the degrees of that air can be elevated to even 50,000 degrees Fahrenheit, which is five times hotter than the sun. And to think that the voice of the Lord is much more powerful than a lightning bolt. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. Being in a wilderness alone, in the darkness, without any sense of direction, can be a fearful thing. Surrounded by trees, surrounded by darkness, surrounded by large bushes, where anything can lurk and attack at an instant. And this passage tells us that the voice of the Lord causes the things 
that are frightful to become afraid. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare, and in his temple all cry glory. To be quite honest, I have no idea what to do with that one. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. I honestly chuckled every time I read that passage as I studied it this week. I have no idea what the psalmist intended to communicate by that, so feel free to take that with you and do with it what you will. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth ahead of time, I think is the idea. And the voice of the Lord strips the forest bare like a hurricane that passes through, even uprooting hundred-year-old trees with roots dug deep into the ground. The voice of the Lord is able to pick them all up like nothing and leave everything bare. And to this, all in the temple of the Lord cry out glory as they behold the word that is lightning shoot forth from the mouth of God. They cry out glory. As they hear his thunderous voice from the heavens, they cry out glory. As they see the great power of God displayed in different ways, they cry out glory, glory, glory. And to us here down the earth, we may want to keep our distance. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, there Moses speaks to the people of God. And we see here sort of the kind of response the people of God had when God spoke to them from the mountain. There Moses says to the people of God, These words the Lord spoke to all your assembly at the mountain out of the midst of the fire, the cloud, and the thick darkness with a loud voice. And he added no more. And he wrote to them the commandments on two tablets of stone and gave them to me. And as soon as you heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness, while the mountain was burning with fire, you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And you said, Behold, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. This day we have seen God and speak with man, and man still live. Now therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, we shall die. For who is there of all flesh that has heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of fire as we have and has still lived? Go near and hear all that the Lord God will say and speak to us all that the Lord our God will speak to you and we will hear and do it. And the Lord heard your words. When you spoke to me, and the Lord said to me, I have heard the words of this people, which they have spoken to me. They are right in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they had such a heart as this always, to fear me and keep all my commandments, that it may go well with them and with their descendants forever. The people of God were terrified as they stood there at the foot of the mountain and hearing the voice of the Lord come thundering from the summit where there was darkness and a fire, they became afraid and they wanted to keep their distance. Moses, you go before the Lord. 
and He can speak to you directly, and you can then speak to us. We cannot bear to hear the voice of God thundering from the heavens because it terrifies us. Like the thunderstorm that we witness outside, we want to keep our distance. We don't want to get too close. But as terrifying as the voice of the Lord might be, we also have to keep this in balance. Because the scriptures do not only present us the thunderous and the boisterous voice of the Lord, the terrifying voice of the Lord, but it also presents to us a different voice of God. The God who has this thunderous and this hurricane-like voice is also the God who speaks in Isaiah 49:13, saying, Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. The God with a hurricane-like voice is also the God who says that he is near to the brokenhearted and that he is near to those who are crushed in spirit. The same God with this thunderous voice is also the God who is described to us as the great shepherd who makes his people to lie down in green pastures and lead them beside still waters and comforts them with his rod and his staff. And when we look to Jesus Christ, we see not to a different voice, but we see the balance of the voice of God much more vividly. When we consider the voice of God in the person of Jesus Christ, we see that Jesus does not compete with the voice of God. Jesus never came into the world to clarify the voice of God. Jesus did not come here to play good cop while God was intending to play bad cop. But Jesus speaks only the words of God and in the voice of God, for he is God. John 14, 24, Jesus says, Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. In Jesus, we also see the thunderous and the hurricane-like voice when he commands the demons to come out of their hosts and they have no choice but to obey. We see such command and such power when we read of Jesus trampling upon the waters as he makes his way to his disciples who are also sailing on those waters. But we also see in Jesus the gentle voice of the Lord who says to tax collectors and sinners, I'm going to dine with you today. When he says to sinners, take heart, your sins are forgiven. When he says to sinners that I am the bread of heaven who's come down to the world and that if you eat of my flesh, that is if you believe in me, you will not perish, but have everlasting life. As much as we might be drawn to the hurricanes and thunderstorms, as much as we might be drawn and should be drawn to the hurricane power 
of God, we should also be drawn to and in awe of the hurricane-like power of God contained in the weakness of human flesh that Jesus adorned himself with. And it's something that I don't think any of us could ever comprehend in this life, that such power would ever, could ever be contained in such a vessel. It's like trying to contain the power of a hurricane or in a thunderstorm in a small clay vessel. It would just obliterate the vessel. It's not like having a handheld device like an iPhone, which has all this computing power and still able to hold it in your hand. It's nothing like that. When you consider the immensity of God, when you consider the omnipotence of God, and that this power will be contained in a small infant born of a virgin, to which the angels cry out glory, to see and read in the scriptures how this same power is still contained in this weak vessel as he goes about eating, and drinking with his disciples, and sleeping and taking rest, and yet not be obliterated, is unfathomable. To think that this great power contained in such a finite vessel, go to the cross and die there on the cross, and then rise again three days later from the grave, It's just something that our finite minds can never comprehend. That that power can be in such a weak vessel. And each time, the angels of heaven say, glory, glory, glory. Hebrews 1 verse 1 says, Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, including today, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He had appointed the heir of all things, through whom He also created the world. Again, power in the Son. He is the radiance of the glory of God, an exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right, at the right hand of the majesty on high. Again, such power contained in such a weak vessel, still containing the very imprint of the nature of God, still being very much of God. Jesus, in His power as the Son of God, as God Himself, did not have to diminish His power, did not have to decrease His power, but still very much maintains his excellent power and somehow put into a frail, a fair, frail excuse me, human flesh. And even in that human flesh, sustaining the entire universe. Again, without that frailty of human flesh being completely obliterated. That's majesty. That captures the attention. That demands a beholding. 
The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. This hurricane king sits enthroned over the chaotic flood of the waters, and he sits enthroned as king forever. The prayer is that may God, may this God, with his hurricane-like voice, give his people strength and peace. Imagine with me, if you will, it's the end of school, kids are on the bus, getting ready to go home, everybody's on the bus, kids are hanging out, are chatting with one another towards the end of the bus, there's Jimmy. There's Jimmy, he's picking on another kid, teasing him, bullying him. The other kids on the bus notice what's going on, but they don't want to make honest contact because they don't want to become Jimmy's target. And all of a sudden, the kids see coming out of the building the school principal. And suddenly, everybody sits quiet. Shh, the principal's coming. All quiet, everything's hushed. Jimmy has stopped his bullying. Everybody's just seated. Everybody's wondering he's going to come on the bus. He's kind of climbing into our bus. He's coming into our bus. He steps up the steps. He's in the bus. He looks out to all the kids, all the seats. Jimmy has his face down. Doesn't want to make eye contact. Hoping, hope he didn't see me. I hope he didn't see me. The principal calls out, Jimmy, come with me. Immediately, Jimmy picks up his bag and gets out of his seat. The principal's walking out, headed towards the building. And the principal does not have to look behind him to make sure that Jimmy is following him. He knows that Jimmy's following him. The principal carries about him this, this gravitas, this kind of weightiness, this heavy presence that whenever he steps into a room, it demands a kind of attention. And his presence there on the bus generates two different feelings or two different experiences. One is a fear. Fear towards who? Fear towards those who should be afraid. In this case, Jimmy. But his presence also generates a different, very kind of a polar opposite feeling, and that is a feeling of comfort. How so, or for whom? His presence generates comfort for everyone else on the bus. Generates comfort for the, little, for the kid who was being bullied by Jimmy. Comfort for the rest of the bus, knowing, oh, there's stability, there's peace. We don't have to worry because the principle is here. The voice of God as it thunders from heaven strikes fear into the hearts of men. That is, fear into those who should be afraid. But for those who have no reason to be afraid, it is a voice of comfort. There's a voice of safety. There's a voice of refuge. Because they know that when God speaks, they know that everything is going to be all right. The thunderous voice of the Lord provides peace, this inward rest, that even if everything outside is chaotic, even if there are these other storms happening in the world, there is this inward peace. 
There is this inward strength. What is this strength for? The strength to remain near him, even though he has this thunderous-like voice. The prayer is that we might be strengthened to continue to draw near to him because closeness to him is what also provides refuge for his people. And the closer that we draw near to the Lord, the more that we are filled with peace. Several years ago, Rachel Smith immediately gathered her children and went into hiding into the closet of her bedroom as a tornado came through the town. And as they were huddled up in there, and they were just praying and praying and praying, all they could hear was all this destruction and all this chaos outside, all this loud noises. They knew that the hurricane, that the tornado had come and had come over their house, and they are praying and begging to God that they might be spared. And then suddenly, silence. So she opens the door, looks out, destruction everywhere, but everything is calm, and she discovers that everything had been destroyed by the tornado, save the walls that refuged her and her children. The Lord's precious saints are always refuged by the hands of the Almighty. They have in God that safe space. They have that closet that will always remain unscathed no matter what storms lie outside. Whether it is the storm of anxiety whether you might be fearful of the unknown or the unexpected, whether you might be fearful of another person, whether you might be fearful of an illness, whether you might be fearful of death. The hurricane voice of the Lord puts every other fear into perspective. When we look at all the other fears that we might be filled with in this life and that you might even be filled with right now and look at those fears in light of the hurricane voice of the Lord, it puts those other fears into a different light. Because you know that the voice of the Lord contains within itself greater power than anything else, than any other kind of fear or anxiety or tribulation or distress that you might experience. If you're here and you have yet to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ and you walk about each day without any kind of fear or dread for your own life, dread or fear that you have many days ahead, if you do not live in any kind of fear or dread that your life might be taken away from you at any moment, at any time, in any location, then you walk about with a false sense of peace. And I'm not sure where that false sense of peace is coming from, but you walk about with a false sense of peace. You may think that everything is relatively stable and peaceful and without distress, but really what you are in is just in the eye of the storm, where everything might be fine, but you are surrounded 
but the destructive forces of the hurricane. Each day that you live, the hurricane is inching closer and closer and closer. Until one day you do experience the hurricane of the judgment and wrath of God for your sins. The only way that you can be sheltered from that storm is by trusting in Christ Jesus as your Savior. Believing in Him as your God. Giving your life to Him and trusting your life to Him into His precious hands because only He can protect you from the judgment that is coming on account of sin. Dear believers, take heart. Jesus says in John 16, 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. In him you have peace. In the world you may have tribulation. In the world you may have these smaller storms that come about your life, causing you to shake, causing you to fear, causing you to be anxious and worrisome. But in Jesus, you always have with you this peace, this steadying presence. You have it with you because Jesus took on the world and he came out victorious. He's conquered the smaller storms of the world so that you and I can have peace today. This summer we've been it's been it's been a lot going on. A lot of things have happened. We've had brothers and sisters going through difficult seasons, difficult challenges. Some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you might now might be going through particular challenges or trials in your life. And all of these things have a way of Making us want to want making us want to sort of distance ourselves from the Lord. But the Lord is calling out to us with his voice and saying, Do not be drawn away, but draw near. With every storm that you might experience, draw that much closer. Get closer to the Lord. Pursue him. Intends to be your haven, your refuge, your place of safety if you will only continue to draw near to his presence. And we can do so because we are in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, not only are we called to draw near to the presence of God, but we're also invited to draw near his presence. been a lot, as I said, going on, and some of us to some degree or other are grieving for our dear brothers and sisters, some of you are grieving for those who are difficult seasons, we grieve with our sister Karen, we grieve with the Smiths as well, and perhaps others, 
been a lot going on. For some of you, if you're like me, you're probably sort of wanting to sort of put your hands in the air and say, Lord, what in the world is going on? The Lord means to continue to be our shelter and to protect us and to keep us and to steady our steps even as we go through hard things and even as we walk with friends through hard things. As a kind of preview, I mean, next week we're set to finish working through the book of Psalms for this year, and we're ending with chapter 30. Which I think is quite fitting. Psalm 30, verse 5, says, Therefore his anger is but for a moment, and his favors for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. There may be grieving. There is grieving, and we don't know how long the grieving is, how long does the night endure, but the, the assurance is that joy is coming. The joy always comes with the morning. And that promise always rests for those who are in Christ Jesus, who continue to find their shelter and their refuge in the Lord Jesus. For us, we have nothing to fear when we hear the voice of God, because we belong to Him. We are His and He is ours. He is our safety. He is our strength. So the call is, with every storm that you face in this life, draw near to Him that much more. Draw near to Him who helps us to weather all the storms in life. Let's pray. Father, we Father, we desire to draw near to you. Lord, your presence is full of power, is full of majesty. There are things that we cannot comprehend or understand. There are things about you that are too magnificent for us and these things might cause us to keep our distance. We have a natural fear towards things that are unknown to us. But Lord, you are not unknown. You have revealed yourself to us through your divinely inspired word. And we also see you as we we see the person of Jesus Christ. The one who has within him this commanding presence and at the same time
says to us to take his yoke, for it is easy and it is light. Lord, help us to continue to draw near to you. Help us to not allow anything that we might experience, no trials or challenges to come between us, to distance us from you. But help us to continue to approach you with reverence, but also with joy. Give us ears to continue to hear your voice. Give us the mind to continue to understand what you have said in your word. Help us in these ways. Continue to comfort your people and give us courage, Lord, in the midst of fear and anxiety and trials and even in grief. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.